Hey everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the Liberty Squadron Podcast. I'm your special guest host today, Zach Katie, and today I'm joined with Jonathan Lee. Hello, everybody. Brett, second chair, Freeman. Hi, everyone. Last as usual. <laughs> no, you're second. You're second. Let's put a hot positive spin on this. And I'm second, everyone! <laughs> Boom. That's right. That's almost first. It's one off. So I just wanted to quickly just, you know, let everyone know, sorry we've been away for a bit, um, just kind of news dried up the last few weeks, we've all been kind of super busy, but burnt out, you know, there's this whole pandemic thing that's been going on for about a year and dragging on everyone, so we took a couple weeks away, but we're back today for a special May the 4th Be With You episode of Liberty Squadron Podcast. Um, obviously we'll not be released on May the 4th, we're recording out of May the 4th, you'll get it whenever you get it. Uh, so let's just jump right into the news, since we actually do finally have some news to talk about. Um, big thing, AMG today released an errata for May the 4th. Yay, treats. Brett, walk us through what it does. Alright, so it essentially codifies the ruling that the quote-unquote Judge Illuminati had given to Hera. Um, originally, the interpretation of her timing window was as broad as possible, so... Uh, people were doing some some crazy stuff like trying to uh, take attacks that they clearly didn't have targets for so they could transfer tokens around. Um, or more commonly, um, using Hera's ability as a way to get the uh, requirement for some type of munition. So maybe a focus token for a procket or a target lock for another type of munition. And AMG uh, clarified today, none of that stuff works. Hera's ability is still very flexible, but it only works now in the modified dice step. Uh, so you have to be in an actual attack to be able to, to transfer that stuff, and you can no longer use any of her tokens to, to get those munition re uh, requirements. So it's honestly not that big of a deal. Um, you can still use her when needed. You still have perfect knowledge of the dice rolls. Um, I I think it's, it's basically a... a uh, common sense update and like I said it was really the way it had been being ruled at least here in the United States anyway so not much has happened but this is AMG's first time doing something like this and the fact that uh, these ships were released you know not that long ago and they've already come out with an errata is kind of exciting that maybe they're going to have more of a, a hands-on quick approach to things as opposed to FFG where sometimes we're waiting you know six months or so yeah it's actually that's a good point you bring up the fact that yeah when it's been a month since the boxes came out. Is that about right? I, about a month, yeah. Okay. Time is a myth. I have no idea what works with time anymore. I mean, five weeks um, probably, but give or take. Okay. But around there. And yeah, like the fact that they were able to hear the community say that we have this issue. There's a bit of confusion around this thing. The fact that they were able to like within two months even come out and even just answer that one simple question in a legit, you know, way that everyone can see and recognize is yeah, it's it's a it's a step forward for the game. And one thing that's also kind of kind of nice is that they did it clearly based on online tournaments, right? And I mean, one of the things was FFG kind of always uh, was not able to acknowledge that you know. Uh, TTS or Vassal or, or anything like that even existed. So the fact that they're making this based on uh, you know issues that were arising in these online tournaments means that maybe those those uh, are not going to be the um, you know like forbidden methods of playing X-wing anymore. I wouldn't go that far. It's possible. I, I love your optimism. I love your optimism, Brett. But. I wouldn't go that far. Jonathan, your take? Yeah. I, I think one key difference is it's not just a rules clarification or an explanation, or it's actually changing the text on the card. Because in their Facebook post, they actually had like altered text on the cards. So it's like a errata where I know FFG always tried to avoid errata when they could. Yeah, that's fair. That's a good call. Yeah, I am glad that like it was something more official because I know that's something that I had a bit of an issue with. Every now and again, FFG would like clarify something on a Facebook post, and that always bugged the heck out of me. 
I'm hosting. I can't use my one swear word this week. Damn it. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I, I want to see any rules clarifications be put into official documentation. Not somebody made a comment. Somebody from company X made a comment on a Facebook page. Somebody from FFG sent me an email. I don't know if everyone remembers those 1.0 days. Yeah, or the, the discords were very common uh, yeah. in like the last year and a half or so. Um, and honestly, it's nice to just... I, maybe I'm in the minority here, but I never had an issue with erratas. Like, I would rather that they say, oops, we made a mistake, let's fix it, as opposed to just saying, well, we're stuck with it, so let's just raise the points by 40 points, and then no one will ever use it because we made it too good in the first place. Like, I want everything to be playable, and errata is sometimes the way to make that happen, I think. I am fine with errata. Uh, especially for me, coming from other minis games, many other minis games, like, erratas are fine. Yes, they're never ideal, but we don't live in an ideal world. Ideally, yes, the wording would be accurate from the get-go. But that's not the world we live in. And minis companies in general are not working with ginormous budgets. So they can't playtest everything to every extreme. So I am more than happy to see some erratas coming out for X-Wing. We're needed. We're particularly needed. I'm yeah. not sure this is particularly needed, but it's a start. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I mean, it had been being ruled that way, so I agree. Probably not particularly needed, but uh, that might be a good way to start is with one that wasn't particularly needed, and then uh, they can keep going down that path if they need to. Yeah, exactly. Like, I think this probably didn't need a rewording of the card. You could have just made this an FAQ answer of when does this trigger. Make slight tweaks rather than big tweaks, but it's also on the flip side... AMG's first chance to like show that they're willing to do this and willing to like put their foot down on something. So I think we're all in agreement. This was a good move. Yes, good job, AMG. Golf clap, golf clap. Alright, uh moving into other news. Uh Max Brook put out an RPG for X-Wing. Brad, have you looked through this? Uh so I've looked through it briefly. I'm not like the the super rpg guy but um i mean an rpg for x-wing sounds very cool obviously as you know the former lead designer for x-wing he understands the system quite well um the fact that he put this together so quickly means that it was probably a pet project he had been working on uh for years and just wasn't allowed to release when he was with ffg so I wouldn't be surprised if this actually is a, a great time. It uses a lot of the uh, Star Wars RPG books. Uh, I have none of those. I've never played it, so I don't know how good those are. I have heard good things about them, though. Um, but uh, it definitely seems like for people who are looking for a different way to play than you know a, a 206 game, that this could be something that's worth looking into. If I could find someone to run a game, I would join in a second. Uh, just to have some fun with X-Wing ships that's not, you know, strictly a competitive deathmatch situation. Yeah, with how quickly he put it out, I would lay good money on the fact that they were probably playing this around the office for a while. Yeah. Like, this is probably something they did after work or on their lunch breaks and was a fun thing they just did for themselves, and now he's not with the company anymore, and he can release it for himself. Uh, Jonathan, you gonna look into this? You're our resident RPG guy. Uh, maybe. I mean, I, I own um, Edge of the Empire and Age of Rebellion, and I haven't played any of them, but uh, I am... I haven't familiar. either. I, I also own the book. I have not played any yeah. of them. And then I have the FFG, like, what, the Genesis main rulebook, and I actually also have the, uh, what is it, the Netrunner RPG book. Um, I think, like, sort of aside from X-Wing, like, vehicular combat is often kind of hard to do well in an RPG where you're translating like, person-scale, individual-scale stuff to, like, um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know? So, like, uh, systems that do it better would be, like, if you were playing the old MechWarrior RPG and then you're like, oh, we're going to jump into our battle mechs and use battle tech. You have a yeah. set of rules there. Um, yeah, so I think that'd be great. The only downside, I think, is I haven't... Um, it's just so much easier to die in ship combat. So, yeah, 
you know, so that puts a lot of risk having your your player character flying around in the next wing. Your chances of death are much higher than when you're running around with a blaster shooting stormtroopers. Oh yeah, when I, you're I, in that minis environment, so my, yeah. the lethality level might be too high for um, regular RPG style play. Yeah, I mean, a, a long, long time ago, in a game store far, far away. Nice. I I house ruled up an RPG set and played it with like the group of players for X Wing and played it with a group of players there, and it definitely was like with the speed of the lethality specifically, Jonathan. Um, it definitely was something you had to go in with more of the gamey mindset than the realistic role play mindset, because yeah, like otherwise everyone dies or half the you know unit dies every session. And then roll new characters. Well, I guess then um, you'd have people withdraw from combat a lot more realistically. <laughs> if you're down to like one hull, you'd be like, all right, I'm out of here. That's sort of that's thing. the way I originally set it up. Is I Exactly that. As I set it up originally that I wanted, and I tried to impress this on them from the get-go, of you can flee. You can and we be played wedge, on a, leaving the Death Star fight. Yeah, and we yeah. played on a 6x3, so they had plenty of space. I was like, you can just disengage, fly away. I had rules built up for like how to fly away and all that. They didn't do it at all. None of them. Not a single one. Of course. <laughs> because there's, they're used to playing X-Wing. They're used to playing X-Wing and like, I don't fly away. I can make it with two wounds. I can hold it. Alright, Porkins, you can't. Alright? You can't hold it. So uh, Max did put a, a thing in here for when uh, like player character ships are destroyed. And basically, what he suggested was rolling a hit die. And on a crit, the ship is actually destroyed, and uh, you have to fully rebuild it. But still, even in that situation, it doesn't look like the character's dead. Just the the ship dies, and they have some time to try and get off of it. So I, I do think he took that into account, at least. Um, I just I don't know how well it translates to you know actually playing. Yeah, I had this whole D20 table set up that like ranged from everything like, you're totally fine, and you're picked up immediately, to like, you're dead. But uh, the one that actually happened once is they rolled and got the you're captured by the Empire. So the next time we played, they had to fly a rescue sortie to try and capture the prison ship that held their member. So interesting, you had them play from the perspective of the terrorists then. Uh, From the Freedom Fighters? Yes, Yes. you Imperial scum. Gotcha. Shut up, you Jedi. You don't care. You're off in hippie land drinking green juice. I like purple. <laughs> All right. Uh, anything else we want to talk about on the RPG? I know none of us have taken a deep dive into it. Maybe we'll take a closer look at it and talk about it in a future episode. Yeah, just that it's out there and it looks like it could be cool. Nice. Let us know if it is. <laughs> <laughs> Let us know in the comments. Like, subscribe. All that above. Yeah, smash that uh, like button. Smash that subscribe button. Alright, uh, we also had two big events the last two weekends for people following events, which is not me, but it is Brett. Brett, I'm kicking it over to you. Tell us about these events. Alright, so um, we've had two events, and these were the first like big extended events that have been going on. Uh, there had been a number of hyperspace... Extended's the only format. There had been a number of hyperspace events that have been going on, um, or extended light you know, if you're Zach, but, um, these are the first two, you know, full extended ones that were a big size that happened. Um, and I just thought there were some interesting trends, um, and lists that came out of them. Um, so the first one is the Firecast Cup, um, 113 players, and it had a, a pretty, uh, like wide representation range. Um, the, the lowest played faction was First Order, which seems to always be the case, basically in any tournament um and the highest was scum which is often near the top they just have so many ships um and a a lot of different types of archetypes you could bring um but everything else you know fell in that range you know empire was 17 percent rebels 14 percent uh republic 11 and a half percent so they're all you know close to each other all within a couple of of lists for a 113 person tournament um, and it, 
it had a, a pretty cool rebel list in the final, which we'll talk about later, and it was won by Django Zam, uh, which is, you know, the list that was just completely tearing up the uh, hyperspace meta, except, you know, now it's, it's even stronger and uh, extended because it, it has all the toys. So the, the first thing you, you pick up is Django Zam, still really good. Uh, first place was Django Zam, fourth place was Django Zam. Um, in the top 16 or a couple of other Django Zams. Like, if you want a nice list that's going to give you a good chance of doing well at a tournament, you probably want to look at Django Zam. Uh, is really kind of the, the big takeaway from that. Um, and this was an online event, obviously, and so was the, the next one. And one thing we have noticed is that the online events tend to have the same players um, or, you know, a, a vast majority of the same players. I think it's very mm-hmm. safe to say there's about a hundred or so core online X-Wing players who are playing in almost all of these big events. Uh, I mean, is that what you've, you've picked up on as well? Oh yeah, totally. It's in no small part what has turned me off from actually following any of the online events. I don't really need to check in with what those hundred players are doing because it realistically doesn't change all that much from month to month. So it, it doesn't, right? Um, but one thing is interesting is it's kind of like watching, you know, a local meta, except one that just has happens to have people from, spread out from all over the world. So That's in fair. in That's one fair. week, right, within a same type of meta setup, here were the the type of percentages that we had the following week, right? Now Rebels up to over twenty six percent. Republic is down below seven percent. The the list. And their, their played frequency has just skewed so highly in a one-week time frame um, because Django Zam was doing so well and these, these Rebel lists all featuring basically the same pilot, Hera, who we just talked about with the Arata. Uh, those two ships have just completely shifted the meta in a one-week time frame for the same type of people playing in these extended events. And I just think it's, it is very telling how quickly everyone has jumped ship from their favorite factions to get over to to these other uh groups i mean there were 49 rebel lists in the 187 lists that we had in list fortress in that that one week time frame where before there were 16 out of 113 people but that is curious right because like hera was out for firecast right yeah and she'd already been doing any yeah there wasn't anything that physically changed between Firecast and Moncala. It's yeah. just people yeah. shifted. Yeah, and, but the same people, right? And that's the part that I find so interesting is how quickly people were willing to give up on the list that they had already kind of decided, hey, I think this is the best thing. This is what I'm going to bring to Firecast to one week later saying, all right, you know what? I give up. It's got to be, you know, Django Zam or Disciplined or for, for Empire or I'm just going to go with Hera. I, I have to fly one of those three big bad boys, I guess, because nothing else is on the same power level. Mm-hmm. Which is, I, I, I just thought how quickly it shifted was, was kind of miraculous. Like, it's one thing, you know, when there's a Philly tournament, you know, in May, and then we see a bunch of stuff happen, uh, you know, across the country at these events, and then the next one, you know, at the end of June, people have, have changed things around. That's not what this was. This is, you know, like, back-to-back events in your local area. I don't know, it is it, interesting. It, it, it is just interesting. really struck me as as pretty surprising. I mean, and there were sixty percent of lists made up just from rebel scum and separatists. Um, FO and Republic were basically not even played at all. Uh, resistance, I mean, I'm still surprised scum is holding. I'm still surprised scum is holding as high as it is at twenty percent, over twenty percent in both tournaments. Without yeah, I was pretty surprised as well. I mean, the, the anything thing is, new or special. What, what's what's helping Scum out the most is that it has access to Zam Crew. It, it can either do a bunch of uh, three agility ships, um, like so the M3As with uh, cannons and everything, or it can have Zam Crew. And uh, Zam Pilot might be better, but Zam Crew is still pretty damn good. Fair. I th- fair. Yeah, I but think Boba if- doesn't have a crew slot, so who cares? It's true. Poor, poor Boba. I, I normally look to see, like, are there even any Bobas? I, I did not do that here, uh, but I will uh, before we're done. But um, 
I mean, just so 187 lists, for instance, like I said, for Gold Squadron, 42 copies of Zam Pilot or Crew. Uh, so over 20% of the list contained Zam. That's, if only somebody uh, were running a ban league, that sounds like something that might, you know, have gotten a ban. Yeah, very early on, I would think. <laughs> but, I mean, that's just a ridiculously high percentage. Uh, I mean, one out of five. That is, that is, that is nuts. That's unbelievably nuts. Something that's only available to at least two factions. Like, you know, it's not, it's not mono-faction. But something available to only two factions is in... W- over one fifth of the list, like that screams something is wrong with this. In my yeah, mind, exactly. I, it's there. It's priced very competitively, and bonus attacks are very, very strong. Um, I, I certainly don't think we're at the point now where it's just that people haven't figured out Zam. I mean, Zam has has been out now for a long time, um, so I. I think it's just honestly a different power level than most of the other things. Nearly every single Separatist list had had Zam in one capacity or another. I think it took longer for people that wanted to use Zam to figure out how she worked with her wording of her, and it's taken people to figure out how to play against her. It it definitely took me longer than I want to admit (laughs) to to figure out what card I'm supposed to be putting down. It took all of us longer than we want to admit. But I, I think that's also part of the problem, right, too? Like, I almost wonder if they, like, costed her so aggressively because they assumed it would take people a long time to figure out how to use her. Or maybe they themselves were trying to still figure out how to use her. Yeah, I'm not sure, but it definitely screams out as a a pricing error. Um, Not probably quite as bad as Hera, though, who is only available in one faction and was... Uh, in 32 lists. 32 out of 49 Rebel lists contained Hera. Also, a completely ridiculous percentage there. Which means also that 40% of lists had either Zam or Hera. Right? So you you have basically a, you know, a coin flip chance of coming up against Zam or Hera in every single match. Is really what, what this event is showing us. That doesn't seem right. Or necessarily healthy for the game. It doesn't. Would you... Hot take. If you could, would you flip Hera and Ahsoka's point costs? No, because Ahsoka is also really good. Like, that that was another remarkable thing here, is that there were four instances of Rebel Ahsoka only. There were three instances of Republic Ahsoka. And only four Rebel Ahsokas. 49 points for an A-Wing that probably is never gonna die. Hold on. Three people brought Republic Ahsoka? They did. Uh, I think they all were CLTs and Chopper. Um, and I... That is a very nice combination, so I, I'm not judging any of them. Uh, but I'm shocked that there was only one more Rebel Ahsoka than there was a Republic Ahsoka. I assume those three came in the bottom half of the table. I believe that they did. Don't get me wrong, Ahsoka's one of my favorite characters in the entire Star Wars franchise. I wish her Republic version was better. It's just not. It's just not. It, it hurts me. It hurts me so. Uh, but moving on through these lists... Uh, oh, the, there, there were uh, three Boba lists, by the way, I believe. One, uh, one was in the top 16, actually. Not a game that I watched. So, uh, that's... Interesting. It was a bomber boba though with Andrasta title and uh, prox mines and proton bombs. That feels wrong. It does. I mean, it probably works right. It just feels wrong. He's that's he's not flying. He's flying someone else's ship. It's not his ship. No, it's Iman's ship. Does he get a crew if he flies someone else's ship? Is there like a seat for someone there? Sadly, not. They ripped that no, out too. too bad. He he anger ripped that seat out because he's like, this isn't my. Heckin' shit. See, he's still not swearing. But yeah, it, he takes up he takes up all the seats wherever he goes. Look, all right. I know he was filled out that armor a little bit more in the Mandalorian, but we need to lay off the fat jokes of Boba. Everyone, everyone. That's not just you, Jonathan. That's everybody online. Get it together, okay? Big guy still kicked ass. Ben There's my one. 
Brett, when is the next uh, Gold Squadron event? I don't know. I'm going to guess it's probably 31 days away. Okay. <laughs> That's an oddly specific guess. Prime subscriptions. <laughs> but no, I, I, I honestly don't know. I know that they run through uh, November. That's when they're having the championship. So okay. they there's a, a lot of events going on throughout the, the year. Okay. I mean, maybe it was an overreaction, like some of the shifting. And then, you know, it'll might take time to, if given enough time, it might even out again a bit more. We'll see. That's the other thing. I, I agree with, I think Jonathan brings up something good there that I've noticed across all releases throughout X-Wing, especially through 2.0, of, like, it takes a solid while for the meta to settle after a new release. Yeah, no, you're entirely correct. And a lot of that is watching what other people are doing. Right, and with online tournaments being the only thing that's happening right now, kind of like what we said, it's still just the same hundred people or so, plus, uh, you know, a handful of others for certain events. Uh, they're not really getting to watch anyone else do anything. They're the only hundred that are really shaping the meta right now and testing stuff out. So it's going a lot slower than it would uh, if you could go and look at what you know twenty tournaments did in Europe in the last two weeks before your event. Yeah. Agreed. Uh, anything else you want to pull out stats-wise? Um, cool? Yeah, so Disciplined, um, I just thought was worth a, a mention. There were 11 Disciplined lists out of 29 Empire squads. Uh, and, I mean, it's it's giving some life to just generics that really never saw a play. Uh, interceptors, Strikers, and even Aggressors have, have had some success with it. I mean, Aggressors. So... Uh, that's something the aggressor you'll... meta is upon us only on online play though because no one owns eight of them um at least i, I, I i'm assuming no one owns eight of them <laughs> but uh yeah it's those those three cards really harazam and and disciplined uh just make up a massive percentage of what is uh what is being played right now meanwhile ho- hopeful and cutthroat nothing really maybe like one list so what do you think is going to be the sleeper hit here because i think that's another thing that i've always noticed across ev- most releases for maybe not every but most releases for 2.0 is that there's always like the wave one meta right like the things that everyone immediately goes like oh that's good and everyone just flocks to playing that thing but then a month two months three months on there's the thing that everyone kind of slept on and then goes oh that's really good. I should probably play that thing. What do we think that thing's going to be? I uh, I generally just copy off of you, to be honest. Um, I I don't really know. I mean, I think... Well, joke's on you. I've not been looking. <laughs> yes. I mean, I, I think Hera's token passing shenanigans are extremely strong, which leads to, you know, either jam or uh, like a paylob type mechanic possibly being uh, better than it, it would otherwise be. Uh, so maybe that's something that, that you're going to see a lot more of. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, I, I don't really know. All I know is the stuff that I thought was going to be really good, you know, the, the Eddas are still not anything. No one's playing these things at all. Republic is just dead, and I was thinking that, you know, Anakin and, a, and, and, and Edda was going to be, you know, like the, the greatest ship ever. Well, you know, like I said, don't sleep on it because there are things that always slip through the meta cracks until somebody does well with it and then finally people realize, oh, that thing is good. And exactly what you were saying of like, we've only got the same hundred people kind of setting the meta right now. And they're kind of looking at each other. They're kind of looking inward quite a bit. There are things those 100 players are missing that are probably quite good. I mean, I mean, I feel like there just aren't enough players and tournaments and spots to like. If only a few hundred people are actively playing in a tournament, then there's a limited. They can't play all the lists. You know what I mean? Exactly. Like if there were like fifty thousand, if like a hundred thousand people were participating, then you'd have like tens of thousands of people playing every faction, and you know, and 
then all the people would get play and it would but like right now if everyone runs each if everyone chases runs over here to chase this thing and then it's very easy to like abandon fo and republic and when you're looking at such small numbers of people i mean i don't know if that makes sense no, it makes complete sense. Yeah. And, I mean, that's yeah. always been it's one of the sense. problems with X-Wing, right, is that there's just not anywhere near enough data like there would be. Like, the, the reason we did the band league, right, was because you were you were thinking, Zach, hey, why don't we try something like they do with Overwatch, right, which I'm sure has more data in one day than X-Wing has had, you know, in a year or two years. Um, so it's just really tough to to actually get enough data to know for sure what is good and what's not good. And that's on a normal X-Wing schedule, and now we're on this basically 100-person Right, yeah, very true. X-Wing meta, which then makes it, takes like, we didn't have a ton of data to begin with, now we've only got 100 pieces of data, which, for anyone who actually works with data for a living, like myself, is not a lot. Yeah, I mean, like, even even during the band league, right? Like, I mean, the the massive swings just one extra person playing a list could have on the like the algorithm was was crazy just because there there wasn't enough data to get the granularity you really need for stuff like that so yeah questioning my algorithm i'm not no um but yeah so i mean everything we we're saying you have to take with a grain of salt because it is just those hundred people but uh i mean zam and Hera do both seem incredibly strong so i don't think those people are wrong Oh yeah, I think everything that they're showing is good is good. I think my point is there are things that they are missing that are probably close to being as good, if not better. They're just so not taking away from those things. I think the things they have found that are good are legitimately good things. But there's probably some stuff that's fallen through the cracks. Now, do you think Vader and a Defender is one of those things? Absolutely not. Because he- Vader and a Defender actually won a 50-person tournament a, a week or two ago, which um, I was pretty it's online, surprised it by. Count. It's online, it doesn't count. That's, that is fine, but I still also, was... There's, only a, there's also only a 50-person online tournament. Like, Come on, that's like a five-person in-person tournament. Yeah, I agree, it is not, it's not the, the biggest tournament out there. You right? divide that's why everything I, you see online by 10. That's why I did not list, uh, list everything out for it, but I did think it was worth uh, pointing out that you know, that they were able to make that work. It was Vader and a very, very loaded Echo. Um, and uh, I haven't watched the final, but my understanding was that it was uh, Echo being chased the entire time and Vader just uh, nuking people. So that's not surprising, right? If you can get Vader in a good position, he's just going to hit incredibly hard. But still, it did happen. Um, and Also, if I-, I think the other big part of that is Echo, right? Like, if you are one of those rare unicorns that is quite good with Echo... Then yeah. mm-hmm. that's the half that actually makes the list work. Uh, but if we get to the point now where you know two to three ship lists become more prevalent, then he could make sense as a as a medical. No, I disagree. I'm they not bringing him personally. I I am still upset about no sensor slot, and I wanted to do very mean things with him. And they took that away from me. <laughs> oh, Brett said that he can't play a broken list. He is. Oh. So speaking of which, should we talk about the most broken list I have seen in two point oh? I think Jonathan had a point. Oh, about sorry, your Jonathan. Uh, I was going to say there is apparently there was a tournament today. The Sith Taker Cup, the sequel. One hundred and ninety-three players made the fourth. Where's our data for that, Brett? Uh, so I actually thought, I thought that that was a no. I thought that was a like a multi-month event, uh, and they just finally posted the data. I I could be I could be wrong, but I thought that's what it was when I was looking stuff up, like a one uh one game a week tournament. Could be yeah. I looked into it, Zach. All right. All right. All right. All right. I'll let you go. So let's uh let's get into some cool lists. All right. It's online. These don't really count, but they kind of count. Let's talk about what we found that we think is super cool. And I think, Brett, you have one to start off with. That might be broken if Jonathan flies it. Yeah, so I I had to dig really deep to find this one in List Fortress. Um, I had to look at the winning list. Um, First at the GSP event and second at Firecast. So this... uh, 
This gentleman, Andrew Oler, has just been tearing things up with this list in the last couple weeks. Um, and I, I saw his game in the final, and all I could think was, wow, that was really strong. And I tried it out myself, and I have to say that uh, it gave me the same level of confidence that I would have with like 1.0 Miranda, where I knew that I needed to be the one who made a mistake if I was going to lose the game. Quote-unquote so, tried. Yes. But so it's Benthic Two Tubes with Perceptive Copilot, Leo Organa, and you know the Pivot Wing. Uh, Kyle Katarn with Jin Urso and Moldy Crow, uh, Garvin in an X-Wing um, with the, the S-Foils, and Hera in the A-Wing with Thread Tracers. Uh, you could dump the Thread Tracers if you want to. I'm not sure how important the bid is really going to end up being. Um, this almost the Target locks on everything. Yeah, I, I, but I'm just saying you, you could. Um, as it's like it's the only free points that are really did in you the finish list. first at gsp i did not know but you got to figure that there so, are going to be a bunch of people playing so. this and the bid is going to end up mattering uh so uh hera generally ends up with three tokens that she can hand out um as needed and because of Jin urso they can be either focuses or evades depending on what is needed at that point uh, they can, if they're Garvin and they're focused, then they can get passed right back to Hera to potentially be done again in an infinite loop. Uh, it's an extremely busted combo. Um, and Andrew had a very nice opening for it where essentially he was able to just completely stay in place for two turns and get an, a, a massive amount of board knowledge before he even had to start committing. So, uh, Brett, could you walk us through like just for people who don't know off the top of their head what benthic two tubes does yeah so if you could walk us through how Hera gets the three tokens sure so benthic two tubes uh when you take a focus action you can pass a focus token to another ship um so with perceptive co-pilot he's getting two focus tokens and is able to then pass one over to Hera. uh kyle katarn with moldy crows is gonna start out a lot of turns with two focus tokens and then can get another one for for his action and he can pass a token uh, at the start of engagement to any ship in his firing arcs. And with Moldy Crow, he's got two firing arcs. So Hera is almost certainly going to be within uh, range of one of those firing arcs. So he can pass a focus to her. And then she can just, of course, take her own token. Uh, Garvin, if he takes a focus token and has to use it himself, he could actually throw it back over to Hera. So now she has four focus tokens that could be available to people. So it's just uh, complete synergy uh, it, it's really, people are saying it's like Peritani, and it really is like first edition Peritani, where just the focuses are, are being handed out left and right. So I think like some of that, that flexibility of um, Hera being able to to pass those focus tokens to any of her friends, like when they're modifying their dice is really strong. Um, there's still a limited number of focus tokens that exist, but like there's a lot and there's that big benefit of like when someone's trying to focus fire one of your ships you can just keep on Hera can continually pass them focus tokens so mm -hmm. if everyone's trying to shoot like say Kyle Kyle will have his own focus tokens but every turn Hera could pass a focus token to him and turn it into yeah. an evade right so then he's yeah he's he even tankier than just with a focus yeah so I mean there's a lot of flexibility there um which seems strong uh how would you? I was just. How would you compare it to say Obi Wan's ability in uh, in his a um, not his ETA ability, but his, yeah, his, his ability. Story. So uh, for regenerating focus tokens, how would you compare this to that? Just curious. So I find that ability to be great, right? But I'm scared to ever use it more than once in a turn because a force starved Jedi is oftentimes about to be a dead Jedi. Um, so here, where these tokens are going away at the end of the turn, except for Kyle's, I mean, Hera can just be as aggressive as possible, right? Like, she doesn't really have to even think about it. Just pass the token, she's got the perfect knowledge. Obi-Wan, there's a lot of times where I know, you know, look, I'm going to be wasting a force here because now that I, they know I have this focus, they're not going to shoot me, but I can't take the risk of not wasting the, fo or the force because I need to, to deter them from shooting at Obi. So I... It's... it's much more useful, I think, uh, than Obi's ability as far as helping out your squad. Uh, Obi's fine if he's really the only one using his ability. He's still going to waste some force every now and then, but 
uh, you can try and minimize that as much as possible, but you don't want to be using him, for instance, for, for his force and Anakin's force and Plo's force. I mean, maybe there's one turn where things are really dicey and you need to do that, but you're probably losing the game if you're in that situation where you're just using up all of his force to, to help his buddies out like that. That's a good point. I mean, I think yeah, like that big difference of Obi-Wan just gets one force back at the end, but then everybody... Benthic, Kyle, Garvin, Hera all take their focus tokens, uh, force focus actions, and the only thing that um, that has to be charged up is like the moldy grow, which is not yeah. So, so you're right that Hera can feel free to spend as much as she wants. You know, maybe in the mirror match, maybe you want to go first. And that, you want to block that's what I was thinking when I was debating the thread tracers, right? Because you want to make sure that, I mean, uh, Benthic, you know, he's good at blocking. So he could be blocking the other Benthic potentially or, or one of the other ships and ma just making sure he gets that focus. Like, I think this is one of the lists where going first is really not uh, that that bad of a situation for you. The only problem is then you have to pop your Leia before they pop their Leia, but that, that really doesn't matter much, I think. But at least I think, like, what balances it, some, like, Benthic, Kyle, and Garvin, all, they're only two agility ships, um, which is, so I think if, uh, and then Hera's the only three agility ship, uh, so you could still punch damage through. It's not, they don't, they're not as tanky as, like, um, what's her, um, Asa was it Asajj in Peritani? Massage with Lats crew mm -hmm. in Paragani, yeah. or uh, Fenrau there, where they were like very, they're very, very difficult to punch damage through on there. But uh, no, I'd agree. It sounds it sounds strong. So um, be interested to see how it performs to try it out. Yeah, and just watching it, all I could think of was, hey, this is the new Rebel B for Jonathan. Like he's just gonna, he's gonna own people with this. Thank God we don't have any regionals coming up. <laughs> but if you get like three three attack. It's if you have like um, double modded three attack die shots, you're gonna punch damage through on like. Would you shoot Kyle first? I guess. I think Kyle is probably the correct answer. Garvin is definitely the wrong answer. Um, and Herod's got all those tokens of her own. That I think Kyle is probably the way to go. Kyle or Benthic, but probably Kyle. Because you, I mean, you could imagine, you know, if you pump three or four or five shots into him. You know, uh, maybe I, you might be able to take him off in a turn or two. I guess, like, that Jyn Erso really does help. Like, yeah, the Jyn Erso is... That's why I think it's Kyle, to get that Jyn Erso out. Because I think yeah. that once Jin is gone, the list can fall apart much more uh, easily when you're not getting a perfect knowledge of aid. How do you think it would do against, like, generic spam, low agility... Uh, not low agility, low initiative generic spam. Like, you get, like, I1s right in their face bump them they lose their they don't get to focus i guess there's counterplay there yeah um i think that i i still feel like it would be strong enough um because you do have those thread tracers right this is where the thread tracers can just be extremely helpful i mean those ships are they they all hit pretty hard so they're gonna all be double modded as well uh so you're probably gonna be able to take out uh you know at least one and maybe one and a half ships in that first engagement. And, I mean, then you have Leia to, to let you do some really dirty things for the second one, probably. I It just yeah, seems like it's got like, a lot of toys. And don't forget the fact that, like, that generic spam list is just going to lose everything else in the field. So... Unless it's got maybe have a Maybe have a better shot at this and then losing it. A are good the, chunk of what's left. Are the auto? I like. I've been out of it for a while. Are those auto blaster seeks still good, or uh, maybe these war, warden squadrons are I one, or they are. Yeah, just looking down the list here. Oh. Uh, yeah. I mean, so seeks are still good. Um, there's there's a bunch of different ways. Uh, people people tend to use them. Um, the wardens were were another interesting list. Um, but. Uh, yeah, I would. I mean, there's there's a lot of three agility list spam list going on right now, um, either Imperials or uh, scum. So I expect that you will see that. I just think that they probably hit hard enough where they're gonna be okay, especially yeah. when they could just stop the second turn and make sure they're all getting their focuses. Mm-hmm. That's fair. Yeah. 
That's a good point. Like, the Hawk has a stop, doesn't it? Yeah, the Hawk has a stop. Uh, to... Benthic can stop. And, you know, with with Leia, they're, that's two focuses right there that can get past to Hera. Yeah. So even on a, a bump turn, or what would be a bump turn, they're going to be okay. Um, solid, solid. All right, so moving off of that one, there was just a very loaded IG-88 list. Um, it was IG-88 B&D. Uh, I mean, it's, it's nothing, like, particularly new. Um, it's just I know we, we love our IG-88s here, so I, I thought we, we should give a, a shout-out to that list. Um, the the rig cargo shoots actually were, were quite important there. Um, and uh, the fact where the game that he lost, which I think was in the top eight, uh, he he got pretty unlucky there at the end. So we could have seen IGs uh, maybe, you know, taking it down or going all the way to the finals or something. Um, but uh, Fon Longalon's list I also thought was, was worth uh, pointing out. And this might be like the most um, unfun list I've ever seen. <laughs> so it's four Warden squ- uh, Squadron uh, K-Wings. Have you ever played yourself? Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> I... I... I don't know. I just hate bombs, and I just assume bombs are unfun for everyone, um, which is what's what's pointing this out to me. But it's, they all have barrage rockets, they all have thermal detonators, and then there's Sabine Wren in there. And I mean, this is just such a a, a dirty combo, right? Like they they all basically have 360 turrets if you think about the bombs, and Sabine can, you know, potentially move someone who wasn't or move someone who was like only in like one bomb now into four bombs or just you know on a rock or something it's it it is the kind of list that could like give you nightmares if you know you're playing it the next day in the cut or something like that just how the heck am i going to approach this thing they take up so much space their their firing arcs are so large that uh uh it it definitely seemed worth pointing out you just pass all your focus tokens to Hera and then have yes. them uh, to the rest of your list. And then you easy, fire, easy. You your thread tracers and you take off one warden squadron before they get to go. Perfect. The Sabine one, hopefully. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, 16 bombs. Oh, and when they reload, they can get two instead of just one more. Uh, I don't know. Uh, my, my friend, Paul, this is the kind of list I think he would like to fly. And that would make me want to quit X. Like, you I, heard it here first. Breath's going excellent. Like you could slam that war, a warden squadron in right in front and hope they bump, and then you have to decide if you're the uh, Hera player, do you stop? Are they going to try to block you with the warden squadron? What are you going to do? Yeah, it's it. It seems like kind of a nightmare. <laughs> I I don't I don't like at all. I remember like right before COVID. They hate Fathon and some other players. They were playing this at that last UK system open, if I remember correctly. No, I believe you're right, and I think they did yeah. pretty well with it. Yeah, they did really well, and then I think the costs got tweaked a little bit. That just threw it off a bit. Maybe barrage rockets went up. I think that sounds right. Right, but now with uh, the bombs being so cheap, it's it's back. It's back, baby. Um, and then, then I just had one other list which seemed interesting. It was four zealous recruits, and then a Jakku gunrunner, which you don't see very often anymore, with afterburners and protectorate gleb. Um, That's I, cute. Yeah, That's I feel like cute. you guys have both flown uh, a bunch of fangs. Um, so it's it's like a new take on four fangs, right? You get rid of Fen and throw in another generic and uh, a Jakku gunrunner who could coordinate and uh, tractor people. What is the protectorate gleb? So he he gives a red coordinate action, and then after you coordinate, you can pass that token, or you can pass it like a, a red token, I don't remember if it has to be the stress, to the ship you're coordinating to. So if you have an unstressed zealous, for instance, you, uh, you can pass it, and if they're doing a blue maneuver, then they're going to uh, just clear the stress right away. So it's, it's like a, a semi-white coordinate almost. Hmm. And he's two points, so I mean he's just... The cheapest coordinate out there. So I don't know. I don't. I don't know if it's better than having Fen in there. I. It doesn't seem like it has the end game that you need. But. Uh, 
But if you kill everything before the end game, exactly, you don't need an end game. right? <laughs> like I, I like having a, a solid end game piece. So that's not a, sh- a, a list that I'm gonna want to fly. But I, I didn't hate uh, seeing it there. Nice. So any other takeaways from the uh, tournaments this weekend, or the last couple weekends, I should say? Anything else you want to talk about? I mean, like, just... I, I hope that FO and Republic start getting played a little more because it's very sad to see uh, these factions just be completely neglected. I mean, FO has been pretty low, usually the lowest in basically any tournament. But, I mean, Republic used to, you know, be, like, the number one played faction in events, and now it's barely being used at all so i hope that changes because it's my favorite there's just so many cool ships there <laughs> i just don't understand what's wrong with it yeah yeah i mean i think i think again this kind of gets to our like 100 person meta right the the old broken public thing is not as good as it once was with new releases right mm-hmm and I think people just haven't taken the time to figure out what is the new good Republic thing. Yeah, and like, is Hera and Disciplined and Xan, are they just that much better than Force? Right, because I mean, that's always kind of been the, the, the super strong thing about Republic is that they have Force and it's pretty cheap. But, um, I mean, maybe Force is now just being outclassed by these newer pieces, and maybe that's intentional, right? They to, to change force right now would be a complete overhaul of 2.0. So maybe it's just power creep time. It might be. You're not wrong. I don't really have an answer for that. Um, there, there also are just a ton of generic spam lists, and I am just wondering when we, when we do start playing in person again. I mean, is, is that... Is this the kind of thing that's only really happening because you can get eight aggressors really easily, right? You click the the aggressor button eight times and they pop up on TTS. Where, uh, I mean, now if you want to fly eight aggressors, you need a bunch of conversion kits and to go buy these first edition models, like stuff like that's probably just not happening. Um, so I wonder how much of these generic spam lists are, are just going to you know drop by the wayside once we're using real toys again. I don't think they will. Personally. I think a lot of X-Wing players have the collections turn on a lot of spam lists. Or have the collections that they're not buying that much new X-Wing stuff. Right? Like, when a new wave comes out, they buy, like, one of each thing. Mm-hmm. They probably have the gaming income to load up on aggressors if they want to but i i think we'll it will probably like you said i agree with you it'll probably die down a little bit i don't think it's gonna go anywhere it's my hot take um but now that's all i really took away from the weekend i mean it was it was fun to to see a, a big tournament again uh it had been you know about a month or so before since the last one so uh, there, there is always something nice about just being able to, to watch some streamed X-Wing. Fair play, fair play. Um, cool, so let's move into, just quickly, uh, here before we wrap up the episode, we are getting closer and closer every day to uh, more in-person X-Wing. I know my two co-hosts tonight are both fully microchipped up, immunized. I'm getting my next shot tomorrow as we as we record this podcast. So Hooray. we're getting close to like yeah. the play in person on the reg. And I just want to quickly throw it out to everyone on the podcast tonight. Um what are you excited to put on the table first? Brent, I'm gonna kick to you because I bet you have lots of ideas here since you're you're following things closely. All right, so they're all degenerate and horrible things, but I just <laughs> I'm extremely excited to put Republic on the table, even though they're unsurprising. Sucking. Unsurprising. And I'm gonna be going with uh, two CLT 
regenerating uh, or hull regenerating uh, aether sprites, and then a uh, supernatural Anakin because that's what <laughs> everyone wants to see across the table: a big bid supernatural Anakin. <laughs> so I'm really excited to do that, and then a like a hundred and thirty point Han plus a, a loaded Ahsoka. Those are the lists I'm most excited for. <laughs> I'm glad to see a year hasn't changed you. Nope, I'm still the same person. <laughs> Yep, you are still the same shitbag you've always been. Like I, no, I, I. There's my one swear word. <laughs> I'd be fine putting like that benthic list on the table. It's just honest. It, it seems like. Oh, the, I'd be fine putting this other broken list on the table. Well, right. I'm just saying, like a non-AC <laughs> list. But what I was gonna say is, it it doesn't feel like X-wing to me when I can just stay in the same place and just like turn around and and blow up your stuff. So that's not like my style of thing. Even though, like I said, I I think it feels like perhaps the most powerful list i've like tried in 2.0 but it really doesn't feel right when i can just stay put and win the game but it feels much better when i can see you do everything and then react to that so that way you can't shoot at me and then i win the game look when you that feels much more like x when you look into someone's eyes when you've arc dodged all four of their arcs and then still have a range one bullseye shot and they just look at you like they want to cry all right that's what this game is about (laughs) Would you stop beating up on your daughters? No! Stop that! <laughs> like, that's that's just who I am. So yeah, those are the, the two I'm most excited to play. Um, I, I actually want to throw out a bunch of, like, uh, Resistance X-Wings. Um, I, I think that, like, uh, Poe with Overdrive Thrusters is really cool. But th- that's not going to be, like, my first thing I'm putting on the table. Are you, like, dropped as a child? Did someone, like, leave you at a funeral home for a long time? What's wrong with that one? <laughs> it's Poe and some X-Wings. Just either broken stuff or resistance. Either way, I hate it. Uh, Jonathan, you got any lists, any ideas you're, you're floating around? Anything you're really excited to get onto a table that's not across from your son? I guess I would have to uh, bring four Warden Squadrons with Barrage Rockets and Thermal Detonators and just like chase Brett's Jedi into a corner and lay bombs everywhere. I like this plan. I support this idea. (laughs) I support this idea. Just be like, yes, Anakin, you can barrel roll onto this bomb or boost onto that other bomb. (laughs) Yes. uh, I feel like I'm that evil Jack Nicholson gif right now. Uh. Well, you know, um, yeah, I have, I'm actually going to be playing X-Wing in person in a couple of weeks, and I was thinking, I was thinking about bringing some X-Wings and the Z-95s with Thread Tracers. That was my first thought, because I like generic ships and no-name pilots that I don't have to care about them if they die. You know? We could not be any any more different, could we, Jonathan? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Jonathan doesn't want to feel feelings. That's a fair point. Yeah, I like to be able to send my pilots into battle and sacrifice them, you know? I've lost so many games because I just won't give up on a ship. And I'm like, no, I cannot trade this. I need to do everything I can to save it. <laughs> so yeah, your I, idea is better. I have, I'm very bad at disengaging. Like, I never want to disengage. You know, it's like a ship is hurt and it's like other people will just like fly it away. And I was like, well, if it's going to die, I might as well have it put in another shot. But I, I mean, should I get better at disengaging. I do always think of you as Jonathan aggressively, so. In X-Wing, like, I just fly right at the enemy. I do. I don't, like, fly away or dodge around or anything. I mean, I think Andrew had said that when I was... <laughs> he was practicing for Worlds or something, and then he asked me to play, like, Jedi or something, and I flew Anakin straight at him, and he died. I do remember this. <laughs> <laughs> Which is why actually Fang Fighters work. I actually really like Fang Fighters, like because they fly right towards you. Like they move around, they dodge around a bit, but like in the end, they get in your face. So I do like that. They're just a fancy coming towards you instead of a straight line. They kind of zigzag towards you. Yeah, so I think I would be excited to put uh, honestly anything on the table and not have to fight against my son's Y wings because he really, really likes to put as many Y wings as he can on the table. Well, and good news I, there. You probably won't see a single one once you're playing so, other people. And since I always let him make lists that have 100 more points than I do, it's actually very hard to beat, like, six loaded-out Y-Wings. 
every turret and torpedo and bomb possible. That does sound really unfair. <laughs> yeah, they try, like when you have 200 points and then your opponent has 325, it, it can be a little challenging. And this is why Jonathan is so good at X-Men. Everyone. It's actually funny, I'm going to go on a little tangent here, but there are some listeners, probably not either of you, but there used to be a soccer player named Ronaldinho. I know and, him. Uh, okay, good. good job, Brett. He had the hair. He did. Right? He had yeah. the hair and some large teeth. I know exactly who he is. And there was one interview a long time ago, I remember, and they asked him, like, why are you so good at soccer? Why are you so good at dribbling a soccer ball? And he told them about how he grew up in a very small apartment in Brazil, and he would just dribble a soccer ball down his three-foot-wide hallway against their large golden retriever. And if you can dribble around that from end of the hallway to end of the hallway, once you're on a big-size field, easy-peasy. This is Jonathan with X-Wing. He plays, you know, down a hundred his son on a weekly basis, and then just comes to regular X-Wing night and curb-stomps everyone. <laughs> oh, yeah, he's like the donut on a baseball bat, right? Like, Yeah. I mean, sure, if you want to go for that plebeian description instead of my whimsical soccer anecdote, sure, we can go down on a baseball bat. Hey, I knew who it was. All right, I'm happy. <laughs> it was Ronaldo, then Ronaldinho, and then Ronaldo. Another Ronaldo became good again. That's, that's what I remember. Yeah, that's actually accurate. So uh-huh. we'll I, I, know, I know sports ball. I'm impressed. So what are you going to fly? Over to me. Um, I have a couple things that I'm like kind of keyed in on. I'm a little bit uninspired by scum, so I think I'm, I'm putting down my scum for the moment. I'm also uninspired by Republic, so sorry. I'm also you're part of the problem. Why. I'm part of the problem there. Um, and this might be recency bias since I did just watch the entire original trilogy today, but two things I'm kind of excited to fly are first up mixed small ship rebel squadrons. So kind of similar to what we saw with the token passing everything list, but maybe not specifically that. Um, like I really want to get back to flying Luke Wedge BB. That was a favorite of mine prior to the pandemic. I want to get back to flying that. It's super simple. I love it. Great. And then maybe kind of just starting to riff on that by like swapping in an A-wing here or there. Maybe even a Y-wing. Maybe. And then also Han plus various rebel small ships. I think there's lots of leeway and freedom there with all kinds of new good A-wings that leave you space for like an A-wing plus something else cool plus Han. Yeah, Han is really affordable right now. Right? And with like multiple A-wing options, right? Like you always used to have Han plus Jake plus Thing. Like that's been around. But now you don't have to take Jake. Now there's other interesting cheap A-wing options. Yeah, poor Jake has uh has really lost his status as the best A-wing. Yes, he has. I think he's still around, but he's, yeah, he's definitely lost his status. So all that has me really intrigued. I think there's a lot of like there's a lot of interesting design space for rebels right now, I think across the board. And then completely different. But similarly classic. I, I really want to explore Ace Plus Mini Swarm in Imperials. I have, I've been on the record on this podcast many, many times that I think Ace Plus Mini Swarm is a 1.0 archetype that for whatever reason died off in 2.0 and definitely should not have. And I'm kind of almost bound determined to bring it back. Now, I was what just if that playing Ace around... was Darth Vader in a Defender? No, because you don't get a mini swarm for that. You get like two TIE fighters because he calls 192 points. Um, but what I was playing around with right before the podcast, Brett and I were talking about this, and I had this idea in my head, and I said to like put it out, see if it actually worked. But you can fit um, Soon Tier Fell, Sienna Ray, and four Academy pilots in one list. And st- that's still something at what it was a one ninety, I think we said. One ninety right? or one ninety two, I can't I can't remember. It was I think it was one ninety without, without predator putting predator. And then you could still put predator on Suntier to bring it up to one ninety two. That's double ace plus mini swarm. Two I six aces 
plus a mini swarm. Seems like a lot of fun. I don't know if it's good, but it seems like a lot of fun. At this point, it's, it's been 18 months or whatever since we've all played X-Wing. I don't care if it's good, right? If you want it to be fun. It's fair. <laughs> this is probably heck of fun, right? Like, it's everything that you'd want. You get two I-6 aces, a sizable bid, and a mini swarm to throw out things. And, I mean, Sienna really wants a, like, you know, a bunch of ships around her. So it, it even fits in with her pilot ability. Right? Like, I think it, it's, there's something there. I think there's something, you know, take on a bunch of different archetypes style list that has me intrigued. I think, I think those are the two things that I'm kind of looking at. Mini, Ace plus Mini Swarm and Imperials, and then just kind of various Rebel Salad lists are kind of really what's piquing my interest. Sadly, uh, separatist fire sprays. As much as I love fire sprays, I just feel like they're uh, too meta for my hipster non-meta self. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. Is they're, they're you're not known for being the the guy who brings the super strong list, right? You're the one who comes and people are like, "What?" <laughs> and then you I win need to anyway. find a new strong list. So I think that's already been found. There's nothing cool for me to explore there. Which is too bad because boy, do you love fire sprays. I do, I do. I do. I'll be back to Boba someday. Someday. Um, but yeah, I think that's what we're all excited about flying. I think... Anyone else have any comments on things you're excited about? Anything you've got looking forward to next week or two? Just hopefully getting to play some X-Wing. I'm extremely, extremely excited. I have missed it a lot. Like, I'm... Now that, that it's, like, getting close, I'm really finally getting that level of excitement I used to have, uh, you know, a year ago, where I, I could awesome. not wait for the weekends. That's awesome. Yeah, that's, that's pretty great. I think we're all, we're all feeling the same way. Uh, but I think that'll do it for us for this week's episode of the Living Squadron Podcast. Thank you all for listening. Uh, please check us out on... Podbean on Facebook, we have a Discord server, I think, possibly. Uh, we're also <laughs> on Patreon. We might have multiple Discord servers. Who knows anymore? I'm not your regular host, but I've been your host at Katie. I've been with Brett Freeman, Jonathan Lee. Thank you all for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Bye, everyone. Bye. <laughs>